everyone. Welcome to Coalesce. I have a special guest today that I want you to be introduced to. If you don't know her already, it is Sloan. She is special for a couple of reasons. Several years ago, she was a coach that I worked with. And Sloan's specialty is really taking people into their peak performance. And I also think she's exceptional in dropping people into peak experiences. And what I mean by peak experiences is she hosts retreats, uh, workshops, trips that really drops people in to have a several day experience and they come out a different person with a deeper understanding of who they are and the purpose they have in this world. Which brings me to what we're talking about on this episode. Is Sloan earlier in 2023, I believe it was in either February or March, she took a group of women to Africa. So these incredible entrepreneurial women. She dropped into Africa and she talks on this podcast about the intentionality that went into planning such a trip where she's blending different cultures. Obviously, she's blending different cultures with Americans going over to Africa. She also talks about how that experience is a gift to Americans and vice versa, how the Americans traveling over to Africa is a gift for them as well. And how she thought about that from behind the scenes and what Sloan, as well as her guests, were experiencing on the trip. I love this episode so much. I hope you listen to the whole thing. I'm also dropping into the show notes several links for upcoming events that Sloan has. I believe they're kicking off in September. I know I'm going to be at the first one, her workshop on a new approach to unlocking your deepest desires and attracting what you want. She's going to be bridging the gap between science and spirituality on how women can create a peak performance path for themselves. I'm fascinated by the science behind this for myself, continuing to grow in this area. And if you find that attractive, make sure to check out the show notes on what Sloan is doing in this world. Without further ado, I invite you in and take a journey with me and Sloan to Africa. Hi, Sloan. Welcome on the show. I'm so excited to be talking to you and going on this adventure with you today. I am too. So happy to be here, Jen. Just so the audience has a background on who you are, because I know you rather well from my experience with working with you. Will you tell me, tell us who you are? right now, what you're working on, and just introduce yourself to the show first. Sure. My work in the world is that I help powerful women fulfill their highest potential and deepest desires. And yes, it is the juiciest, most fulfilling work for me that I adore because women are so extraordinary. And I've had quite a journey to come to this place to first embrace and understand and see that in myself and then to be able to really live it and then bring it to phenomenal women to grow this idea and this awareness really in their own lives and worlds and businesses. Okay. First curious question. You're going to get a lot of these from me is why did you decide to focus on women? Like what prompted this in you? And I love how you see them as being so fascinated, but I'm curious about that. I had a really interesting journey that began with, I was working at an international law firm, which had been my greatest dream when I was in law school. So I have this big job in LA, I'm making $250,000 a year, and I have a corner office, and I was completely miserable. 
literally for four of the five years that I'm working there, I'm just unhappy. I want to leave. I didn't see a way out. And I get this inspiration that I'm going to start my own law firm. So I take almost a year in planning for it. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go do this firm. It can't be that hard, right? And I finally quit my job. Everybody around me, my mentors, my parents is you're making a huge mistake. Don't do it. This is the best job. And I take this big leap. And six months later, I'm scared. I've only made $12,000. I've been working my butt off. I'm trying to figure out how to build this law firm business that it turns out I had absolutely no skills at. And I start looking for someone who could teach me how to do it. And I come upon this coach for lawyers online. We have an hour long conversation that at the end, he's okay. I want to invite you to, as my guest, to join us at this quarterly meeting that I have for lawyers. And you can come and check it out and see if you want to join us only. It's in five days in Miami. Do you want to come? And I'm like, all right, this is has to be the opportunity I've been looking for. I change all my plans around. I travel across the country and I go to this event. And that really begins this six and even more year process of me learning how to create success in business, going on to a whole new level about my own mindset. And really, I started creating a lot more success in my law firm. I started growing and really transforming as a human. And in that process, I started telling my clients, hey, I can help you with a lot more than your legal work. I can actually help you to shift your mindset and create a profitable company and with your team and just anything you need in your business. And I started offering for $99 a month, unlimited phone and email access. So I start coaching my clients and Um, eventually that became a new company, which is the business that I have now. And when I went to sell my law firm some years later to focus exclusively on coaching, because I'm just so inspired and really seeing that I can help people in a much deeper way as a coach and a mentor, I start getting this inkling of awareness. I am here to guide women. And at that time, it was really a strange kind of awareness because I had a couple close friends, but I didn't actually connect with women easily. And I didn't have a lot of women I would say I was even close to, let alone being a leader of women. And in that time period, and then for about a year after that, I stepped into this time of having another huge transformation in my life. And that's a whole nother story. And What came out of this process, what happens is that I start realizing I've been disconnected from myself. I haven't been leading myself in a powerful way. Of course, I wasn't connecting with women on deep levels. And so as I start relating to myself in a whole new way, I start seeing women in a different way. I start understanding the depths of how powerful I really am. I start seeing that in the women around me and the women I'm supporting. And really it's just grown and evolved and become such a delight from there. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I appreciate you telling the story because we are both obviously conformed or reformed lawyers. Like that's in our past and how we chose to go on a different path completely and hearing how women came, how it just started in you. I was always curious of where that came from, if it was something that you knew 
or the, when the awareness kicked in for you. Yes. And I think there's another piece of this that is really personal. If I could share that. I would love to. Yeah. hear that. Okay. I'm bisexual. So for me, the experience with women, you know, I've dated women, I've had relationships with women. And I think actually that that adoration of women and for me personally has also been a really special part of how I see and how I can support women now, because obviously my relationship with my clients and my professional world, that's nothing to do with sexually. And I have had intimate experiences with women. So on a physical level, understanding how precious women are. And then also on an emotional, spiritual, intellectual level, having really deep personal relationships with women, both as friends and as in intimate relationships. I just see this as part of a perspective that I have about women that I think if other women had this experience with women, they could see more easily and they don't need to by any means. It's just been a way, almost like a connection that I've been able to see something in women that I can then bring to the women I support professionally so that they can see it in themselves, regardless of whatever their sexuality is. Okay. This is fascinating. So could you share a perspective that from your deeper intimate relationships as women has branched over into the work you do? Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. So when I was in my twenties, I really desired to have a body that was very thin and I didn't have any fat on it. And I wanted to like exercise all the time and make sure I barely ate anything. And just, I was trying to be as thin as I could because I thought that was the most attractive thing. And I just, I had it in my mind. I think from our society, that's a been a way that women are guided to look. And so once I was, had an intimate relationship with a woman and I realized that the actual physical sensation of a woman's body. So how soft women's skin is and actually having curves on the body feels good. And I think a lot of women who have never had that experience would be stuck in making something about their body wrong. When actually for me personally, what has evolved is I'm like, oh yeah, I actually really personally I do enjoy having curves on my body, even touching my own body, you know, my hips, let's say it feels nice to know how I feel for me. That's better than if it was just like a a bone sticking out. Then again, that also is a really beautiful part of a woman. And that's another thing about women that I've noticed is like some women are really thin and that's how their body is made. And that's also wonderful. So it's maybe the nuance and all the possibilities and just women are so spectacular in their variety and in the way we are, there are certain innate qualities and then there are certain unique qualities that I've just come to appreciate this like bouquet of, that's such a silly word to use, but I'm trying to think of something to draw this together. This, the full experience of who a woman is naturally is really quite phenomenal. And part of my work, the deepest part of my work is really in supporting women and loving themselves. And so if I, as a coach can come to, and a mentor can come to this relationship with already seeing this glorious being, in this case, we're talking about a physical body before me. Again, it's not 
sexual. It's just appreciation of, wow, you are so amazing. And I can let the client use that energy for themselves until they see it themselves. It's quite powerful. Yeah. And I actually really appreciate you saying bouquet, although you're like, that doesn't really make sense because for me, it comes through as like women are a bouquet of flowers. Like we're the most beautiful gardens out there. And it's not sexual when you relate it to a flower because there's all different varieties and types. And it feels like to me that you can really see the beauty in women, like their essential bloom, like the way they flower in the world. And I know you personally, so I know like you are just this woman that appreciates beauty and bringing beauty into your world in such a fabulous way. So when you actually use the term bouquet, that's the picture that came up. It's like, you see women as this beautiful like garden, like the most luscious garden or so. How, oh, how delightful, I guess. I love flowers though. So when my, you said bouquet, I was like, yes, you're speaking my language, Sloan. <laughs> I'm glad that landed with you. Yeah, I was like, oh. I don't know if that's the right word, but yes. And so then we're talking about that physically, and then we could expand it out into the potential of women when we are in touch with our actual feminine gifts, the gifts that we are born with this physiology, with these hormones, with this body structure, when we access that to then create in our lives and whether that's creating in business, creating in our relationships, creating in any areas we truly are then emanating this energy that is so profound and powerful and juicy and special. I had another curious question that I would love just to run by you and see when you help women fully embrace that aspect of themselves. We also live in a world where there's men. What do you see as the shift changes? Like, how do you see that brings men and women together more? Or what do you see there? Do you know what I'm trying to ask you? Does that make I sense? I think so. Okay. I, I would love so. to hear your, because you're working in with women so deeply. And I'm wondering how that integrates into all of society with men and everyone else we interact with, because we don't live in a world where we only interact with women, right? Yes. Okay. I see. That's a really great question because to me, this work is actually about men and women. It's about all of us. We all have feminine aspects and masculine aspects. And the way I see it is we all have some amount of 100% on a sliding scale that's feminine and masculine. Or another way to say it could be at certain times we want to be in our more feminine traits and characteristics at other times in more masculine. Most of the women who work with me and where I started out in my own life was being in a much more masculine place. So when I was a lawyer, I really felt like I dressed like a woman and then I did everything possible like a man. Because what I saw was the man, the men were the ones who were creating a lot of success. And so I wanted to look like myself and then I would be out golfing. I was smoking cigars. I used to swear all the time. I was just in this very masculine energy. And in that I was doing all the thing, do, trying to get it done. There was a time period where I slept three to four hours a night. I think it was over a year that I did that. And I was just going and doing, and I created a lot of success. I created a great law firm that I ended up selling. And when I look back now, 
I can see that was quite limited. And it's because I didn't understand. I didn't even know about the depth of what we're talking about here today, which is when I'm in alignment with myself and my ways of being naturally, for example, a woman physiologically is four different people over the course of her cycle, which on average is 28 days. When we just act the same over the course of every day in, day out, the way business is structured, the way society is structured, we're not tapping into our highest potential just simply because we don't have access to all of the same things and the same strengths. And actually, we have superpowers during certain different times of these periods that we're just not accessing. So to answer your question, the way I see it is that when we as women are really in the fullness of who we are and allowing ourselves to be in this place where we're at our best, that everyone and everything around us flourishes. And it's also inviting the men in our lives, if they want, men around us and experiencing us, if they want to explore their version of this. You know, as I become more conscious about who I really am, and not being in the extreme masculinity that I used to be in, I have a different interaction with men around me. So I see this as an elevation for all, and I see it as really loving for all. I love men so much, and I appreciate them more and more the more I do this work. I love that because I think sometimes we can think of somebody who works with women that there's like an opposing side, like it's like pushing away. And I think it is an embracing. And I will speak personally here that I worked with you privately for a while. And I was also very masculine in a masculine dominated industry. Every area that I was in my career was there. And you were the one that first taught me that when I could embrace my femininity, and embrace more of the feminine side of myself, it unlocked a lot of doors in the masculine world for me. And I think it's because there is just like this natural and naturalness that women have of how we can open things. Yes. How we It's almost like going back to the flower, the blooming and the opening where people can feel themselves in a different way when they experience this. And that was mine. Like my career actually took off when I was speaking on stages and I was talking to others when I finally opened up and allowed myself to be more feminine. And it was fascinating. So I do think you're exceptional at what you do when you're talking about that topic. And I also think there's four different aspects of women throughout our whole menstrual cycle. And that's something that I'm tapping into more and more. And we could talk about so many things, Sloan. <laughs> that topic alone, I would like recording. <laughs> yes. I can talk about both of these topics for an extended period of time. Do you listening have a weekend to join us? We will be here. No, just kidding. Yes, I know. Because it's just like, I could talk about all of those. And the whole, the interesting thing is I actually brought Sloan on my podcast to talk about a recent journey. She took other women on to Africa. And like, I want to take everyone on this exploration with you and see it through your eyes and the people that you took and the people that you impacted and were witnessing and taking in over in Africa too. And we've already went off on several different areas. So I'm going to bring us back to Africa. And I want to ask ask you, you had this vision. It was like February, March, this last in 2023 when you took it in March, in March. Thank you. 
When did this vision first start to arise for you? How did it come about? What was behind the scenes of what? Why did you choose Africa in this experience to create it? The vision actually arose at the time when I started to become aware that I wanted to work with women. So I had gone to Africa with a group of entrepreneurs in 2016, and I was so changed from that experience. There there were many things that happened there. And on this topic, the biggest change for me was feeling what it felt like to be there and meet the people there. They are living in a really different vibration, a different context than what I experience here in the United States. And I've traveled the world. I've lived abroad. For me, Africa is quite unique with the energy there, which my experience of it is that it's very grounded, whether people are rich or poor, whatever race. I just, everyone I've met there and on my travels when I was there, felt very grounded. It was not in their head where in the US and our culture here, it's up here. It's a lot of thinking. It's very cerebral. And it changed me to have that experience. And I was actually in Colombia with this same group of entrepreneurs several years later. And I had been thinking of this thing about working with women. I couldn't figure out at that time how the business that I had, which was coaching lawyers and helping them create Uh, million dollar law firms, how I was going to turn that into supporting women, also incorporating my passion for pleasure and living life to the fullest and adventure. And so anyway, everything was up in the air and I'm trying to figure it out. And we're on this experience in Colombia, And I met this phenomenal couple, actually, Sam and Taryn. And I start talking to Taryn and they live in Kenya. And so we were talking and I I said, oh my gosh, I have this vision of taking a group of women to Africa. And she's like, wow, that's phenomenal. I have this vision of starting this company where I help people and creating retreat experiences and travels and using everything that I know to create that. And we just had this really special connection and we were both like, super cool, let's see, and left it at that. So we kept in touch a little bit here and there over the years. I kept having this inspiration and this is a really great experience in what I believe is that just because I have the inspiration in this moment doesn't necessarily mean that in this moment is the time to act on it. It might mean that and it might not. And in this case, it definitely didn't mean that I didn't, wasn't ready to guide a group of women, let alone guide them abroad. So I just kept thinking about it and letting it be there and letting myself feel excited about it and curious, how is this going to happen? And then a couple years ago, I started feeling, okay, it's time now to create this and reached back out to Taryn. We had been in touch here and there, and we started planning this experience. Wow. Okay. I had no idea that this went back to 2016. Yeah. Uh, No, this went back to, that was 2018. 2018. When I met her. Okay. That's years. So I want to ask, does your mind when you vision, like you just have these visions out into the future that are like, yeah, this is probably going to come to fruition and you just allow yourself to percolate on them? 
And then what does it feel like when you know it's time to move forward? Could you see, open up and give me, I'm mean, like a little animal trying to squeak open a little door and peek into your brain. Would you give me a little bit more? Because I'm fascinated by this and because I think humans do it so differently. What is that yes. like for you? Because that's a long trajectory. I call this visioning process beginning with a golden kernel. So it's having something like a spark, a kernel. I like kernel because it's so potent. It's a compacted energy that can become and bloom into something. But with this, the golden kernel was I should take a group of women to Africa. And so it's allowing that kernel to be in me and to be, when it feels good, thinking about it, maybe to be planning towards it. Sometimes with the golden kernels, I have a Google spreadsheet where I'm just adding notes as inspired. Sometimes it's just a fantasy inside of my mind. And then in terms of time to take action, the best I could say is that I feel the urge for it. It's a different energy inside of me of having just a golden kernel of someday or maybe, maybe it feels like now I'm starting to think about the next step versus those years leading up to it, there was no next step. There wasn't anything that I was like, okay, now it's time to do this. So even when I first started taking action and reached out to Taryn, when we started planning, I didn't have all the answers. I didn't know how this was going to happen. I didn't know who would come. I've had many people ask me what you did earlier, which is why Africa? I've actually also had people like, why is a white woman taking a group of people to Africa? There's a bunch of responses that I was just like, I just feel like this needs to happen. And it did. I love that. And I'm also going to ask you that question about why Africa as we get into it from a different, a slightly different angle, but because I'm not surprised by Africa. Like I want to visit the Amazon and like, I've always had this deep desire to really enmesh in like tribal circuitry and see like how they live their lives. Cause I think it's so different. And that's comes from as a young child, I would look at them in National Geographic and just watch them and think that was a completely different world. Like I'm at one day in my life, I'm going to be part of that world. And nice. so that's part of my dream. So I'm not surprised by Africa at all. I think it's actually quite beautiful. What was it like planning a trip to Africa? What was it like behind the scenes planning that? Like that seems exciting, scary. What was it for you? It was very exciting and extremely complex. So the other retreats that we hold, I've been hosting retreats for over six years now, and the other retreats I've held have always been at one location. It's completely contained. So the only people coming in and going out are the people that I've invited and interviewed, and I know what's happening. And part of my retreats usually are we take everyone's phone and computer. There's really no outside influence besides what I have purposefully created for their experience. And with this, we were traveling locations. We were together for much longer. It was a 10, 11 day retreat and it was in a place I've never been. So thankfully that was where Taryn came in and we just had so much alignment with what this could be. And one of the greatest outcomes that I personally had from this experience was a real knowing that 
anything I can create when it involves other people who are in their flow and in alignment for them, when we're working together on things, that it's so much better. It just, what we created together was really phenomenal. So I'll give you an example. I really wanted our women to be able to have an experience with an indigenous group in Kenya where we were going. And Taryn's, okay, let me think about that. She said, we have some contacts with someone and she spent months because their communications and their ways of making decisions and their things are not the same as like how we think of doing those things here. So she spent months working on connecting and having these conversations and how could this work and not just work like, oh, can we come in and gawk at what they're doing? But I really wanted this to be something meaningful and something that felt good for them to have us there as much as it felt good for us to be there and be experiencing this. And so what came out of it and the experience we had, we arrive at their land and the women came out and they wrapped us in their clothing and they shared beads with us and their tribe makes all these beautiful beads that actually have a lot of symbolism for them with marriage, with babies. And they gave us beads that are not related to those things, but just beautiful nonetheless. And then we started this dancing, jumping kind of experience, moving towards a blessing for a new baby, a blessing ceremony that they consider a naming ceremony. And it is for women only. They included us. We got to hold the baby. The elders of the tribe chose the name of the baby and shared it for the first time. For the first time, the father finds out if it's a boy or a girl. And we were just part of this beautiful ceremony. We didn't have any kind of language communication, but we were invited to chant along with them as best we could. And just, it was uplifting. And it was at times like a little awkward or uncomfortable because we were wanting to be so respectful, but we don't know what we're doing. And they don't really know how to share with us what to do. But it was also fun and lighthearted in that way. And it just, it was such a special moment that really came out of my collaboration with Taryn. And then we had a variety of things like that, but in different circumstances and suggestions. And we really just brought everything we could into this experience for these women. You talked about being considerate of what your group was going to get out of it, as well as the indigenous groups. And I'm sure this was a theme throughout the whole trip, because like you mentioned, it's a bunch of white American women. I assume most of them are white. I actually don't know that. Going over to Africa, a completely different culture, and there can be a lot of stereotypes and there's a lot of research that's been conducted about sometimes Americans going over and throwing their values on another system. Mm-hmm. How did you think about that? Did you think about that in creating this trip? I would love to hear from you if you did. Yes. A hundred percent. That was a really important aspect of this trip. It was all white women. It wasn't all Americans. And yes, this trip was curated in the most conscious way that we possibly could. And I think one of the most powerful ways that we did that is first being conscious of it. And second, Taryn lives in Kenya and she, first of all, is a very conscious person herself. And so she understands what my concerns about that and thinking about it. 
And we also collaborated on it. There were a couple of things that we had considered doing that just, it didn't feel quite right. And then I would say this experience overall was really focusing on showing the truth of Kenya and what this country is about and stands for. And also us being there to explore, us being there to contribute, and then seeing how the experience goes. So for example, with the naming ceremony, we were able to contribute these huge bags of rice and some other materials that were really meaningful for them to have while we could also have this experience together. One of the things for me about the people being so grounded, and by the way, their biggest industry in Kenya is tourism. So it's not new to have people like us coming there by any means. And the people were so gracious and so welcoming and really seemed to be very grounded in who they are. It really felt like they wanted to share who they were with us in the most genuine, open, just giving way, talking about their deepest love for the animals. Everywhere we went, it was like talking about the rain. They had been having a drought for a long time, actually, until we came. The rain, how much they care about the animals, what this rain means to the animals. And this could be the person servicing you at the hotel all the way to a tour guide that's seen this tour 500 times over the last 10 years, but they're still just so enamored with the animals and the land. And so everything we did was, it just felt really connected and aligned. And there was no energy of us going there because we're going to just watch and look or gawk in any way. And it also wasn't, we're going to try to teach them. And it wasn't, we're going to try and take from them. So we're just trying to put this experience together in the best way that we possibly can. There's this book I read recently called The Soul of Money by Lynn Twist. And she, have you read this? Yeah, Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah. And there's this story where she works with an indigenous tribe out of South America. And I'm not going to be able to think of their names off the top of my head, but they tell her a story of the eagle and the candor and how Americans are like the eagles because we're always so up in the air, up in our minds, soaring above. And the candor is much more grounded and they understand connectivity between the earth, the animals, the humans, like they just don't have the analytical thinking, but there's going to be a time where the eagles and the candors have to start working together to understand each other and give each other the gifts of the groundedness of the candor and the thinking and the analytical nature of the eagle and start communicating their gifts to each other. And that's what your experience reminds me of is the eagle and the candors. Like you took those women over to feel more grounded, which I think is such a beautiful thing, especially I'm, I think about animals and nature a lot and having that experience. What did it do for you and the women that went over there? How did that impact you, that grounded presence, that connectivity, or what did you see over there too? I'm very curious about that. The theme of this retreat was on global leadership. So for women who know that they're global leaders to step even further into the expression of that leadership and at that level. And so the most profound part of this experience, I think for me, and I know for a lot of the women on some of the deeper, more spiritual levels is this experience of 
the more that I'm in my physical body, the more I'm in the present moment, not up here thinking in my head and analyzing, future projecting, thinking about the past, the more I'm right here right now, that's actually where all of my power is. And so we had a really deep study while we were there of animals. And I had this really special experience to be trained by my mentor, Jean-Louis Rodriguez, who works with some of the most famous actors that you know in, in stepping into their roles in movies. And he does a lot of animal embodiment work with them. And so he trained me on various workshops that I brought to the women at this experience where in different ways, it's about getting even more into your body, even more in understanding animals are so special because they feel every aspect of their body. Like when my dog has a little knot in one hair on her leg, she's messing with it until it gets out. <laughs> and then they don't ever, they're not self-conscious. Like the lion goes for everything she's got to go kill that prey even if she missed it the last 10 times, she's not like, oh my gosh, I'm terrible. Maybe I'm not meant to do this and I'm a failure and whatever. She just puts her all into it again and goes for it. And so anyway, those are just two little examples of things where there's actually so much to learn from animals. And we went really deep in the generalities like I'm sharing here and also some specifics of specific animals to decide what do I want to embody myself and in my life even more so that in this present moment, I am even more in my power. I am even more living from this place of the powerful creator that I am. And so I think being there and getting to have these experiences was quite profound for sure for me and the women in various degrees. And for some of them, it was life-changing, this aspect. Mm -hmm. Can you give me an example of an animal and just a little taste of that work? Because this is like, yes. this is just Jen right here. This is yes. me all my life because I love playing with animals. And I can even tell you, I'll tell you a little story, but I've got a couple and I'll tell you one right now. And the, if the other one comes up, I'll share that. But I know even with my partner, like nuzzling and I'm pointing to talking about my neck here. If we nuzzle like an animal, because our dog always as a puppy would come up and nuzzle our necks and be like, like rubbing your head in. And it feels really good as a human to nuzzle like in each other's necks. And it, it, it there's always a giggle that comes. It's always like, huh, like, it's like this pure joy when you just don't say anything and you nuzzle, but that is an animalistic aspect where I'm always trying to look for ways to bring that in because I was like, animals are doing it or shaking it off, all this thing. So I do these naturally. Mm -hmm. So what's your, what's an example that you have from your training and what you're teaching? This is so fascinating. Well, I think it may be a little different than what you're sharing, but it is answering your question along the same lines, which is... The way I see animals is that we as a human society culture have done them a real, and actually ourselves, a real disservice in the way we see them. Because we see animals as somehow lesser than because they don't build their environments the way we do, because they can't destroy their environment the way we do. I'm not quite sure what it is, but we have this idea like we're above and they're below. But I actually, in the study of animals, have come to realize that individual animals have superpowers that are, and therefore consciousness that is way beyond ours. For example, an elephant. 
Elephants are living in matriarchal societies. The women lead their herds and they are highly feeling creatures. So their brains are actually much larger than our brains and have way more capacity for sensation and for feeling than our brains do. And there have been lots of studies and examples of animals will, elephants will uh, grieve their dead they'll bury the elephants that have passed and then they roam in huge distances. But when they come back past the place of the burial of the one that they cared for, they will mark it and have a moment there or more of experiencing and reconnecting like humans do and maybe beyond. They'll risk their lives to save other elephants, to save other mammals, and even to save humans. There was one story about an elephant where there was a baby rhino stuck in some mud or something. And the mother, so the elephant tries to go in to rescue the baby rhino. The mother rhino tries to attack the elephant to get her away from the baby. And she ignored the attack just to still save the baby and move on. So there are these highly feeling creatures. And once we can learn that, we can watch that and tap into what aspects of their emotional experience am I experiencing? What aspects of their emotional experience might I be blocking in my own life? How are they feeling in a way, touching, feeling, emoting in a way that I can use as a reflection to grow from? There's so much that we can learn from animals and from nature. And when we allow ourselves to see animals from that perspective, there's so much to really elevate Mm -hmm. in our own lives. Yeah, that that's an interesting for hearing that from you because I guess I've always thought nature and animals were my teacher, like they were the wise ones for me. So I'm a little bit flipped here, but which is so special about you. I've always really admired that about you and how you are with nature and your connection there, and it's really a special piece of Jen Germain. Thanks, I appreciate that because I do get all of my imagery for how to work with humans through nature. It either comes through actual trees, mushrooms, like hives, bees, animals. But that's really fascinating. I guess I'd never thought that some people look at it as the opposite, like we're superior and they're not. Because I just think that is a world. They're teachers. They've really got connection down to another level. Yeah. Most people, my perspective is that most people would go to, let's say a safari in Africa to look at the animals. And maybe there's something fascinating about seeing a wild animal and definitely is something fascinating, but to go to this depth of looking at how they move their bodies, what are their superpowers, like really exploring animals. I think that's quite unique for most people. I love it. I love it. It's also interesting to watch, even like I've got a dog in the house, how they react to a phone, a TV, like how they'll constantly try to interrupt you around the things that we use all the time. And I was like, they're really intelligent. They're like literally saying, pop up. I'm like, this yeah. isn't great for you. So, anyways, it's just if you really watch animals, they're trying to impart their wisdom on us all the time. Yeah, it's really fascinating. I love that. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing you just said. They really are so loving and giving and in their way. I once had somebody mention, and this has been a journey for me, is if there's any animal that I think 
less of, or I'm scared of, or I think is gross in sex included, that it's an aspect of myself that I haven't fully embraced. So I used to, if there was a spider in my house, I would kill the spider and move it out. And now I don't. And then my partner is also excellent at this too. I'm always at what is it as part of this being that somehow I haven't fully embraced about myself, like ugliness or whatnot. And it's been a fascinating journey. And there's still a couple of cockroaches I haven't fully taken, but they are one of the longest surviving species. So they they have mad respect from me, but they still make me cringe a little. <laughs> yeah, I guess <laughs> that work to do, but the cockroach will be your great life teacher. <laughs> Just journey on forever. Yes. yes. But I know they can still, like, even talking about it can woo, send a little wiggle through my body. Okay. Back to Africa <laughs> after the animal exploration. What do you think, taking these women there, what do you think were some of their biggest takeaways from having this experience with you in Africa and everything that you took them through? That's a big question. (laughs) It's so unique what the individual women took away. So I'm trying to think of how I'd like to share this because rather than speaking for them, I think there's a way I can just summarize and say in multiple ways, a sense of expansion. And that's what this experience was really about. About half of the women who went are big explorers and travel the world and that. And then about half the women who went were not. So that element alone, for some of them going so far away, and the time is almost exactly opposite as in the US, depending on where you are. That was just a big thing of I can do this, I can go anywhere I want, I can actually have a phenomenal experience. For some people, there was a concern about traveling to Kenya and Africa and the safety and then going there and experiencing how gorgeous it was how welcoming and lovely the people were just how much there is to embrace and what a joy it is to get that opportunity to go but i would say then for everyone on some level was seeing themselves anew which was the whole idea behind this experience you can't have a trip abroad to a very different land with a group of conscious women for 10 days and not change you as a person. That's not even possible. So I have the luxury of knowing that. And then everything that we add on is just icing on the cake for even more. And that was just, it was so beautiful. Another piece, I think was a deepening in connection with each other. And I'll also include Taryn as a part of our group. She traveled with us the whole time. And we There just was such powerful conversation and healing and new awareness, new innovations. For me, one of my core beliefs is as a community of women, we nourish and uplift each other. And I really believe that when we consciously and purposefully and actually literally nourish and uplift each other. We take action to elevate each other and support each other, whether that's in a conversation, whether that's making an introduction, whether that's being there to listen, but we're actually uplifting each other that we are so much more powerful. And so they had an experience that was curated on purpose for them to have even more connection and even more nourishment from each other. And 
I think that was quite profound. And that's something that I hear coming out of all of our retreats. Actually, people like, I didn't expect it or I wasn't planning on it, but this interaction with the others here was so powerful for me. And then I know one thing that definitely came out of it for me was a new perspective about Kenya. So in my travels to Africa before I had been into the Southern part of Africa into three countries there, and I've never been to Kenya. I've heard it was wonderful. And I highly recommend this beautiful country beginning with the people and the nature. And then the combination of the two, <laughs> it just, it was so special. And I have a really special place in my heart for the Kenyan people, because as I said, it wasn't just at a luxury resort where people were so generous of heart. It was literally everywhere. And I really felt the essence of these humans is so special. Mm, that's really beautiful to honor them in that way. After you came back, I appreciate that. And you Sloan. Let me ask you, what was a transformation, an expansion that you had? It was expanding for me, for sure, to have an event like this with what I mentioned, the longest retreat I've held abroad. I'd never been there before in collaboration with someone on this level. All of our other retreats, I have my right-hand woman, Robin, who is indispensable in so many ways. and. Still, I'm just deciding the big picture and the vision and leading it. And there was a lot of trust with Taryn and our relationship and in the collaboration. And I think the biggest, to summarize all of that, my biggest transformation was this awareness that collaborating with another powerful woman in my creation, or even more women, but collaborating with others in my creations makes them exponentially even better. I'm a manifester, my human design. So I can create and I create beautiful, wonderful things. And I just had this experience with her of the combination of ourselves put into this experience and then how rich and beautiful and wonderful it was to do that together in all ways. We had a moment of a couple of moments where things were challenging and we had to talk about it. And we had many moments where things were spectacular and wonderful and probably everything in between. And it just was beautiful and profound. It really touched me in a different way about the power of collaboration Mm. on this level. I feel that the power of collaboration is divine. And I feel that I anticipate a lot more of it occurring as we move into the future too. Now and into the future, I think it's such a, it's something I'm looking to embrace a lot more for myself. What is it like to build that trust in that relationship that you did with Taryn over time and to really know like together you guys are building something, you can trust her. Was there any part of that journey? What was it like in the beginning? Because I think there's a lot, I've even done research on this to see like, why are people collaborating more? What happens and trust and knowing that something's going to turn out the way they envisioned it is some of the reasons people don't. What's your view on that? There's definitely risk in it. And I think this is such an important topic to talk about because one of the things that I see women doing is trying to collaborate through people pleasing. And while if we are creating something together and all we can be is nice and all we can be is making sure that we don't hurt each other's feelings, 
it's really hard to build trust because I don't know what's going to happen if all of a sudden I'm not nice or things aren't going the way we thought, or it feels like a big risk. And so with this relationship in particular, before I ever invited anyone to come on this retreat or told people that I was doing this retreat, we were having deeper conversations. And I'll give an example. At one time, there was something about communication where the way we were communicating and I think the timing or it was something, it just, it wasn't feeling good to me. And so I brought it to her. I'm like, hey, I know, and I'm making this up because I don't remember the exact circumstances, but we had a deeper conversation of me saying something like, hey, I know you have a lot going on. This, whatever happened is, it's not really how I want to communicate. Can we shift things around or what's happening for you? And can we talk about it? That was the vibe. And I got to have the experience of how she responded to that. So with us not people-pleasing and me saying what was not feeling good, I got to have the experience that she responded with, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you told me. Yes, let's fix this. And here's what was coming up for me. And then we made changes from there. So I got to see, okay, this is a person who can receive feedback this is a person who cares about me and what I'm experiencing. And she's willing to listen, even if that wasn't her whole experience, or even if maybe there were parts she didn't agree with or whatever it is, I got to see the quality of who she really was before we go down this track of now, this is a big thing that I'm locked into with her. I think that's so important in collaboration is honesty and sovereignty. I wasn't in the background, like, she owes me. I'm doing this, bringing this group and this thing with her and whatever, or being a victim. I was just being honest and sharing and then seeing her response and allowing space for that. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that topic? Because I know this is something that's important to you too. It is. And I actually 100% agree with you. And it all comes down to even like when you're talking about people pleasing or somebody just being agreeable, I can feel it and it sends spidey senses up in me. I don't feel I can trust this person when people are not being fully honest with what's going on inside of them. And I will say on the opposite side, I have collaborated with people and at times I will come to them and feel inside of myself, it's like this, something's off. And I just had a conversation the other day is my vision has expanded and it's calling me to be in a different place, let's say, and access people in a different level. And I was like, that drastically impacts this collaboration. And I have to have the conversation with you about it because I can see there's a change happening inside of me. And it had nothing to do with the other person. But what I have found is when I share very openly like that, there is like a realignment that person. So it's interesting because I've got this going on in the background that we should be talking about. Does it still align? Does it not? There may be, it just naturally unfolds in a very beautiful way. Although there can be like this feeling in the beginning before I speak my truth to somebody of how are they going to take this? It And a door may close. And it's been such a joyful, filled experience for me, but I have to honor the fact that I have to speak like what's coming through me and see where they are. And I will honestly say most of the time, it's always led to something more beautiful, even if we don't continue the collaboration. And I always find it so fascinating that it feels so good. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, hundred percent. One of my spiritual beliefs is honoring my desires is an act of generosity. 
So that was what you expressed. You share your desires and your truth. And it's generous because actually, if it's in your highest good, it's in the other person's highest good also. Now, your examples are beautiful because you got to see it right then, whether there's still alignment for this person. Sometimes honoring my desires, speaking my truth, my deepest guidance for someone else feels like it's mean or it's selfish or it's against something we had planned or whatever it is. And my belief is that maybe I don't get to see how it's generous for me to be honoring myself, but I do believe in the biggest picture and the highest spiritual levels that it truly is generous for us to be authentically ourselves. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Like one of the most rich experiences in life is just, yes, we don't know. (laughs) We don't know. And it keeps things moving forward powerfully to be so honest. Yes. There's so much joy that I found in it. There can be an opposite perspective. But there's also like this feeling of I'm really proud of myself for always being that way or catching myself when I'm not that way. I've been like, there's always another time yes. <laughs> or doing a redo. Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes I am a contemplator and it's interesting because I will walk away from conversations and I will think about things and realize there's tweaks and adjustments to really fully align with myself. So I have to go back into conversations to say, actually, this is going on because when I'm in conversations, I don't, my mind does not fully explore for myself. And it's really fascinating to be in my own energy. Then I can say, actually, there's like these things. Then I'll have to go back to people quite often. So that's also a fascinating exploration is like, how honest can I really get with myself and honor the fact that I know I contemplate, I enjoy like just a moment in my own energy before coming back with another. Yeah. Yeah. Which is also being honest. It is like my process. Yeah, exactly. Good. Very good. Were there any lessons? Anything you learned or would do different, any teachings for you in this trip to Africa? Yes. My my biggest lesson in terms of the creation of this experience, because I consider one of my passions is creating transformative experiences. And that's what I've been doing in a variety of ways for all these years. One of the things I learned was we need even more space. So we had a full day actually of silence, a full day of resting. The second part of the trip was much slower. It was much more spiritually connected, but the beginning of the trip, there's a lot happening. And of course it's, we're in Africa and Kenya. We want to experience all the things. And Taryn and I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago about what did we learn and what do we want to set the stage for our next adventure And one of the things we talked about was, even though we knew the big picture structure of this trip would be busier and then slowing down towards the end, that we really needed to have even more space in the beginning with, I would say, more optional things and even inviting people to just have space because just, I think that this experience is as much about experiencing all the things as it is about really being nourished and experiencing who you are when you have space. And that's just a really important aspect of life to me. And then definitely of my work. And like feeling the groundedness. Yes. Space to be grounded in Africa, because that's what you're experiencing too. And allowing yourself, even though there are 
another safari game drive to go on and this other thing to do to allow yourself to be still mm-hmm. even more because we definitely mm-hmm. had stillness, but even more. I love that slowing down. Could you explain for anyone listening here, when you say you've talked about how you cultivate these transformative experiences where women come together and they talk to each other, but I feel what makes you really unique is what your experiences are like, like the atmosphere. Do you mind telling a little bit? Because I can picture it, but I don't feel people can really picture. Because if I held a retreat and you held a retreat, they'd be different retreats. They'd be sure. drastic. I would be like sure. getting people dirty, making their own meals over a fire pit. I don't feel like you did that, but maybe you did. What are like in Sloan's world, when somebody goes on a retreat with you, what can, what's the atmosphere like? The best way I could answer that is to say that we are preparing for this experience on every level. There's the physical preparation of the details. There's emotional of how are we planning for people to feel? And that's in an experience arc overall. It's in different experiences. What are the possibilities? What are we inviting and allowing for this? There's the intellectual, there are the activities that we're going to be doing. There's the amount of space we have. Where do you need downtime after this? And then there's the spiritual in everything that I create, which is how is this overall and in each particular connected spiritually, which for me means how are we connecting to either ourselves here? How are we connecting to something greater, God, source, however you like to refer to it? Where's the meaning of this activity? And when everything is curated in those ways, and then I, as you mentioned, I love to create beautiful things. I love to have beautiful experiences. There's just a real energy that goes into it. And then the most important element of all is who's there. So one of the things that is really special about our experiences is that they are highly curated for the people who are there. Meaning once one person has been invited and is coming on retreat, then literally the whole next invitation is now based on who that person is. And then the next invitation is based on those two people. So our retreats are much smaller than a typical women's retreat, for example, on purpose. So there's more intimacy. There's a different level of connection and time and attention for each person. And the people who are there have a sort of a gelling It doesn't mean that everybody is meant to be best friends or perfectly get along. It's actually quite the opposite. I don't really want that to be everybody's the same, but it is very thoughtfully put together that this is going to be a huge uplift for each person there based on who the other humans there are. And I'm going to add to this too, because I think you hint the intentionality shows up in your retreats and shows who you are as a person, because it's just so carefully curated that there's just little itty bitty things. When you look around your retreat and notice, you're like, wow, Sloan had a hand in this pillow, this blanket, this candle holder, the candle experience, the scent that's wafting through the room. Like I believe the ability for you to be super intentional about creating atmosphere and the beautiful environments you bring into is something that's exceptional to you, Sloan. So I wanted to do a call out there because I don't think I've ever been on a retreat that's so carefully curated as you do for each 
the little touches that go unnoticed by probably many. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I think it is the perfect illustration of don't ever make what you're doing or what you've done in your past wrong, your jobs, your professions, your experiences, because you have no idea how those will come to bear in the future. And I think in a way, my attention to detail as a lawyer is being brought into these experiences to really envision at every turn what would make this for a greater level of transformation, what would create more ease and beauty, what would just uplift this experience. And then we decide, okay, what's the best way to carry that out? And how can we integrate this here so that you can feel the way you do on the experience? So thank Mm. you for sharing that. Yeah. And especially like when you said that you're using lawyer skills, I was like, could you (laughs) imagine the world to be missing out on all of Sloan's beauty if you would have stayed a lawyer? There's so much beauty (laughs) and pleasure you bring into the world with the experiences you cultivate. So thanks for moving on. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I'm so grateful for it. (laughs) Beauty. Okay. Let as we wind up here, will you speak to the audience and even me and the, to the question, what's next? Where can people find you? What are you doing? Are you doing Africa again? What's coming up for you? I have something very exciting coming up, which is our falling in love with yourself mini course. After working with women around the world and transforming my own life, I have come to really deeply understand that the quality of relationship that you have with yourself is really the window through which you experience your entire life. And that includes your impact, your success, your connection, things that a lot of people deeply desire. So if we're looking at what's the deepest place, the most foundational place I can go to shift what I'm experiencing in my life to me is the quality of relationship that you have with you. And most women who I know and meet are like, yeah, my relationship with me, it's good. It's fine. Or I'm not really focused there. I have strategy. I have this. I have other things I want to do. And in truth, if you answer any of those things, so much more is possible through the quality of relationship that you have with you. So we have a mini course. There's tons of, it's 10 minutes, 10 days, 30 minutes a day. Awesome women time to connect with each other on these topics as we're exploring. It's a really beautiful experience. And I would love to invite anyone to who's interested to check it out. You can find it on my website, therealsloan.com. And if you have questions or if you want to talk about it, reach out to me. I would love to connect and hear from you and meet you and share anything that I can about this or any of my other work. It's beautiful. And you know that I love talking about relationships and creating more harmonious relationships. And I want to share this piece and see if it resonates with you. I feel until a person can actually lead themselves in their own relationship, they don't unlock the keys or the door on how they can create a more harmonious relationship with others. That was my Mm. experience. It was like, once I could lead myself fully in getting to like harmonizing the masculine, the feminine, all pieces of me and seeing that they were all for me and beautiful in their own right. I respected that. And I honored that in others where I could see it in them and then understand how to navigate and bring us together in a much easier and better place. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. I think for me, the more I've developed this deep love for myself, that's actually a physical feeling I can feel saying that to you right now, 
the more that I can feel that for the people who I meet, for strangers I see on the street, all the way to my closest relationships. And I think there's always more and it just keeps getting better. And it is, it's such a profound shift from how I used to live, which was I knew how to portray being confident, but the truth of what was happening inside was sometimes like, yeah, you're awesome. And other times was either neutral or even at times not that nice. And shifting out of all of that into having this really gorgeous relationship with myself that I consider is soulful, it's sexy, it's fun, it's adventurous, a relationship on that level really now is my filter for life and all the ups and downs that come, including relationships. Beautiful share. Anything else you'd like to share with your audience? This has been so fun, Sloan. So fun. Thank you for having me, Jen. It's so nice to connect with you listening. And thank you. Such a pleasure. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Sloan. 